0: Hello, my good friends. This is Dan Jones to share another quiet talk with you. When most of us think of the word eternity, we think of a future that has no end. Eternity is yet to come. We will enter it when we die or when Jesus returns to earth. But in the Old Testament, the word usually translated eternity goes in both directions. Eternity past. And eternity future. The wonderful psalm written by Moses, Psalm 90, says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. There is an everlasting going backwards and an everlasting going forwards. But the word is also used of human lifespans, and human history. Joshua addressed the people of Israel not long before his death and said, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates. Long ago there is the same Hebrew word used in Psalm 94 everlasting, which speaks of God himself. This is a good place to remind all my friends who love the Bible that the meaning of words is determined by their context. Many mistakes are made in Bible interpretation by not understanding this principle. For example, if I ask you what the word bank means, you might say, well, it's a place where you keep your money. I might reply, no, a bank is the edge of a river. Somebody else might say, bank is when you make a shot in basketball that hits the backboard before it goes into the net. You get the idea. We have to know the context of a word to know what it means. So here is an interesting and difficult verse that uses this Hebrew word that in general refers to a long period of time. It's Ecclesiastes 3, 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. He has put eternity into man's heart, yet man cannot find out all that God has done throughout eternity, from the eternal past to the eternal future. Mankind is haunted. When he is alone and takes time to reflect He feels that there's something mysterious there that he can't really put his finger on. There is more to the world than land and sea, trees and grass, sunshine and stars. There's more to life than working and eating and sleeping. There is something there we just can't quite define. In the 19th and 20th centuries, there was a school of philosophy, I guess you could call it, referred to as existentialism. As the word implies, these fellows thought a lot about existence. You and I seldom think these deep thoughts, but it makes the world a little more interesting to have guys around who think a lot about these things that don't seem uh, to be important for the average bloke. Anyway, in pondering the fact that we exist, those philosophers wondered, why exactly? Why do we exist? And why do we have to live this life in this meaningful, meaningless universe. Now, I know nothing or just very little about philosophy. I've always said that a philosopher is somebody who says things that are actually simple, using words that make his thoughts totally incomprehensible. Personally, I like to use terminology that can be understood by the greatest number of people, but that's just me. But Admitting that I'm completely unqualified to talk about any of this, let me go on anyway to say something about these existentialists, most of whom consider themselves atheists. If there's no God, then why would we expect to find any meaning in the universe? And if there really is no meaning in the universe, since there's no God, then Why are these guys so upset? It's almost like they're saying, I wish there was a God. There should be one. Shame on him for not existing. Now, I have no doubt that these philosophers were a lot smarter than me, but I have to say that I don't think they make much sense. If there really is no God, why worry about it? If we have accidentally wound up in existing in a meaningless universe— What is it exactly that makes people sad about this void of meaning? Could it be that the thirst for meaning comes from the fact that there actually is meaning, a kind of meaning that the sad philosophers don't want to face up to? Like I said before, there's something that haunts us. We can try to whistle our way past the graveyard, but we can never quite get away from this strange feeling that there is indeed something there that we can't see with our eyes. I think the reason we have this funny feeling is that in reality, something is there, something called God, and he has put eternity in our hearts. That strange awareness that there is more than just this material world that exists and that after this life, we face a great unknown. Now, God could have made everything, and then just left town. But he didn't do that. He stayed involved with his cosmic project, even when it appeared to go completely off the rails. Hence, this haunting feeling we have. God is trying to get through to us even when we run from him like atheists do. Again, speaking of atheists, have you ever wondered what some of them were so upset about? Why do they spend their time campaigning against belief in God if in reality there is no God? I don't believe in the Easter Bunny, but I don't go around trying to convince people the Easter Bunny doesn't exist. Except as a cute decoration for cheap products that stores sell in the springtime, I don't think about the Easter Bunny because the Easter Bunny doesn't exist. Atheists think about God all the time because God exists and they are angry at him. And he has put eternity in their hearts too. And they are haunted by it. Now, Isaiah the prophet was not angry at God, and yet at times he felt like God had split the scene. He said in chapter 45, truly, you are a God who hides himself. So often, even to faithful believers, the ins and outs of life are a mystery. Why do things happen as they do? Are there really random events, or does God meticulously control everything? We long for answers, but often can find none. In his last message to Israel before his death, Moses said, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law." Clearly, there are things we cannot know or are just not allowed to know, and there are things that we can and do do know, things for which we are responsible to God. Here's my message to anyone who feels haunted by something that is there, something mysterious and invisible. Look to Jesus. In the day of Moses, God certainly revealed certain things to his people. They didn't always like what God revealed to them. And for sure, they didn't always obey those revelations. But in these last days, to use the expression of the writer to the Hebrews, God has spoken to us by his son. You see, God is not actually hiding from us. He isn't trying to haunt us. We are haunted by the fact that we have run away from God. Like Adam and Eve, we have hidden among the trees of the garden. God is seeking us, and we attempt always to evade him. His seeking culminated in the appearance of his one and only son, who was born to a young virgin girl named Mary. He grew up in Galilee and then was revealed to his people as he performed mighty miracles among them. Finally, The religious authorities took him by force and nailed him to a cross where he died for all the sin of mankind. On the third day, he rose triumphant over death and he lives forever to bring us to God. God doesn't want you to feel haunted by something you can't name. He wants a warm and intimate relationship with you that is possible because of Jesus. Turn to him now with all your heart, and he will show himself to you. Heavenly Father, I pray that your spirit, the spirit of God, will work in the hearts of all those listening to me, especially if there's one that doesn't really have this warm and intimate relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and that you will initiate that relationship with them in their hearts, and they will respond to you and open their hearts to the love and the goodness of God. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. My dear friend, would you pray for us at the Bread of Life Anglican Church as we seek to share this message that there is something there and that something is a loving God who wants a relationship with him as we share with the people in the Schenectady, New York area. We meet Sundays at 10 o'clock in the morning at the Bread of Life, At the well, <laughs> we're the Bread of Life Anglican Church, but the building we meet in is called the American Legion Hall and it is located at 1809 Union Street. In Schenectady, as always, you may reach me by email at father dot at outlook God bless you.